What's up, movie fans and Netflix bingers? This is the Bros Who Binge podcast. My name is Adam Schubert. As always, I'm joined by Lyndon Burton. The last episode of 2020, Lyndon, it is time. It is awards time. How are you feeling? It's award season on the network. We got the Bros Who Think Awards done. We got the Anime Talk Awards done. And now... I've been so excited to talk to you about this. It's time for the Bros Who Binge Award, the last award of the year. And I'm so happy that we, all the other podcasts that I know are doing their recaps next year, next week. And I do not like doing recaps the week after New Year's because no one cares. The New Year's over, like, this is the perfect time to do recaps, get everybody ready. So I feel like we're ahead of the game and I'm really excited. And plus we got a little bit of news to talk today. and. Wonder Woman 2, which I'm very excited to see what you think about. Yeah, um, just a small bit of news because it was Christmas season, so not too much happened. But um, we do have Wonder Woman 1984 to talk about and also another episode of Your Honor, which we were texting about before this. We're definitely excited to talk about that as well. And also, I don't know if you have it in the... Oh, well, we'll just talk about it when we get to the thing in the works. Yeah, whenever you're ready, we got a lot to do, especially because of the awards. I'm ready whenever you are. All right, let's get started. So jumping right into it, the one thing that I did see in the world of comic book movies is that Bad Girl and Static Shock are named as potential straight to HBO Max exclusives. And so. on top of that, DC is planning to release six movies a year starting in 2022-2023 with three in theaters, three on HBO Max, or four in theaters, two in HBO Max. And I was I talked on the stream uh, yesterday about the live stream about which characters people want to see. And basically what I gathered is uh, Blue uh, Blue Beetle Booster Gold, Plastic Man, uh, Justice League Dark. Plastic Woman. Mm. Or no, that's Elastic. Yeah. No, 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 you're Plastic right. It's Plastic yeah, Woman because they're changing it. Yeah. Uh, Etrigan the Demon with Justice League Dark. I've heard some stuff like that. But it's I'm I'm excited that Static Shock and Bad Girl are going straight to HBO Max. That'll be dope. And also, that doesn't mean that it's going to be less of a movie. And due to the amount of high sales, me and you were right. When it takes when it's the right movie, it would VOD will work. And Wonder Woman has been smashing records, VOD records. It beat out Hamilton, which people like love. It it like. It did 85 million in the theaters, and it's like it got them so many subscribers. Even uh, Soul, uh, Soul apparently forced people to download Disney Plus more, but Wonder Woman caused people to buy more HBO Max subscriptions. And I get that because Soul Christmas movie, a lot of families are gonna download it. But the fact that Wonder Woman forced people to buy HBO Max subscriptions that just shows that when it's the right VOD, it's successful. And same thing with Soul. Even though it's it wasn't talked about, word of mouth made it to where it's like, oh, you got to go watch Soul. That just shows you that Milan was not the right movie. That just shows you me and you have been right since the beginning of the year. So pat ourselves on the back, Shuey. Yeah. And, you know, I think HBO Max is doing a really good job later on in this, in this episode. We'll talk about some other things that HBO Max is doing that I personally have really enjoyed so far. Um, now it is, is it is accessible to everyone. I've been able to get into the to the catalog. Finally, a in the HBO more. Max world, huh? And they they have um, they have some good originals, and I think that their original stuff that they do is that really take uh, takes they the don't next throw level. out crap. No, like not like with Netflix stuff. Yeah, like, that's so. why I'm not concerned about this bad girl static shock thing. Even the head of Warner Brother Media, HBO Max, was like superhero films 
at least with us, are going to eventually get a billion dollar budget. So like, He's not planning on stopping. He wants to sell HBO Max subscriptions. He want to give these superhero films bigger budgets. My only thing is make sure your directors and talent get the right contracts so we can continue to have Christopher Nolan, Denis Villeneuve, Patty Jenkins, and all the people that we love on Warner yeah. Brothers. But I think that's going to get taken care of. The issue on a DC side of things is where are we developing these static shocks and backgrounds <laughs> and into what part of the DC universe? Are we putting this into the Flash, Wonder Woman movie stuff? Or are we putting this into Titans, Doom Patrol? I think it's like, especially mm, if we're going to be especially getting Batgirl. Like, yeah, especially Batgirl. If we're going to be getting a Barbara Gordon in Titans, how's how's that mix into things? Or I is this going to be a Batgirl that can mix in with Pattinson later? That's what I'm thinking, and especially since we're getting the the, the uh, series, the series, yeah, especially because we're it's a black Jim Gordon. This is an opportunity to give a black bad girl movie. I just think that's going to be tied in, and really, I think after Flash, we'll have a better idea of what's tied in. But also, it now, was said now that my I also guy, don't think that this has to be Barbara Gordon. Mm-hmm, I'm agree. It could be Stephanie Brown. It could be your girl Stephanie Brown. It could be Cass Kane. Uh, even though they messed her up in Birds of Prey, this could be a redemption, but still. But I'm excited that the fact that we're getting Static Shock and because Milestone also announced that we're going to get an Icon movie, Icon and Rocket, as well as some Hardwire, maybe a TV show or something with Hardwire. They didn't say whether it was movie or TV show, but that's super, super exciting because as great as Black Panther, Storm, uh, uh, John Stewart, Green Lantern are, some of the best Black characters are that Milestone universe with Icon, Rocket, Static, uh, and, and Hardwire. So I'm super, super excited for that. But with these HBO movies, let's get like uh, the DC version of the Fantastic Four with uh, Mr. Terrific, Plastic Woman. That's what uh, I was about to say. Like, I, want, I want Mr. Terrific up in here, man. He is an, a, mm-hmm. a great character. And since Black Lightning got canceled, that tells me maybe they're throwing it up. Like Black Lightning in the outside, uh, Batman in the Outsiders. Let's get an Outsiders TV show with Black Lightning, Katana. Like, there's so much more we can do with HBO. I Max. think this could be the opportunity where you get a Zatanna movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. More so and, than in theaters. Yep. And may or Justice League Dark, one of the two. And you know she's gonna be in it either way. And if Dr. Fate's in that Black Adam movie, when you spin it when you do the Justice League Dark, bring Black, bring Dr. Fate from Black Adam in there. Makes sense. Makes sense. How do you I think feel that, about six movies though? Have they earned the trust of six. I feel like six movies is too ambitious. I feel like you should say we're just going to give you multiple movies a year. I felt like saying six well, was it, just like... It wouldn't be DC if they were overly ambi- if they weren't true. being overly ambitious true. because <laughs> it seems like they're trends. Um, but having three of them be within the streaming, I feel like that makes it a little bit less of a risk. True. You're talking about three movies a year, which I feel like Mar- uh, MCU was doing and mm-hmm. it's height. That's understandable. Especially um, but, theater movies. And then, like, the HBO Max movies might not connect to the theater movies. They could be Titans movies. Like, you know, it could be anything. I feel like when, and we'll talk about Wonder Woman in 1984, people are a little bit iffy on, like, where the movie versus is at at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like we'll, people are also just being haters. But we'll get to all of that. Yeah. Um, but let's jump into the trailers real quick. The first one we'll talk about, we'll talk about Lupin which you didn't hear about. And I actually saw that Chris had tweeted it like mm-hmm. a, 
still of like the actor playing Lupin and then Lupin the third. I was like, wait, is this a Lupin the third live action? It's not. It's not. It's but, based off of the actual real Arsan Lupin, which Monkey Punch based his iconic character off of. But you can feel some of the similarities between the animated feature and this, at least with the main Lupin character and the Lupin that we know, just the comedy aspect. This looks pretty good. The only thing is, it's kind of a weird dub. Yeah, it's French. It's a French series, mm-hmm. so it is obviously dubbed. But they do have, but I mean, you know, at least it's not reading subtitles, which is some people which per, turn that. some people off. I actually might um, watch the French version and read the subtitles instead of that crappy dub. Maybe so. Maybe so. Um, but I think that's going to be a pretty interesting series. You know, mm-hmm. doesn't like a a good robber uh, robber heist kind TV of situation. show. Yeah, no, we and we haven't had a good one in a while. Especially that, like one where the robber is going to win. We've been seeing a lot coming, of where the robber loses all the time. <laughs> that's coming early next year, I believe next oh, Friday. So oh, 2021, we're going to have some amazing stuff. And I'm glad you're on HBO Max because we'll talk about it. But there's a movie that's coming on HBO Max early July, uh, early January that I'm excited for. Oh, are we talking about it? Well, uh, there's a category that I'm adding to the uh, Bros Who Binge Awards with okay. most anticipated, but we'll get to, we'll get to that. Gotcha. Um, so the next trailer, though, is a Chloe Grace Moretz movie, Shadow in the Cloud. Looks like a World War II movie with a little bit of sci-fi elements. Fantasy, yeah, with like vampires. Fantasy elements. It, at first, I was like, okay, this looks cool. But then I was like, eh, it's looking a little cheesy straight to DVD. It's looking- it's looking a little bit like that um, that movie with uh, the guy from Maze Runner in it. You mm-hmm. know what I'm talking about? Love mm-hmm. and Monsters. It's looking yep. a little bit like that to an extent. But some of, some aspects look interesting. It's one of those things where, like, as it, in the streaming service era, I could totally see myself, like, watching it one night. But, like, it's not anything that I'm super anticipating. But I would check, tell people to check out the trailer um, and see what you think, but definitely, uh, it seems like the whole movie is in like this plane, like this war yeah. plane, which is kind of an interesting concept, but I just don't know if it was fully executed the way I would have liked it to be. Yeah, especially like the scene that took me out of the trailer was when she fell out of the plane and then like it blew her back in, and I was like, What the hell is this? Like, that don't, doesn't happen. Yeah, no, she was dead. Like, if, even if it exploded, she was dead on that explosion. She was not blowing back into the plane, hitting the top, and then staying alive. Yeah, ridiculous. But, you know, it is what it is. It was something that we hadn't even heard of talking about in, like, the notes for a while. So this is one mm-hmm. of those under-the-radar movies that just pops up. So... I yep. understand why it, it's not going to be a uh, Oscar winner. <laughs> I understand why we're just now talking about it. <laughs> Pretty much. This is straight to DVD, but like, who knows? It may be one of those cult, a lot of straight to DVDs. We get those cult classics every now and again. Yeah, I wonder if uh, any streaming site is going to pick it up. <laughs> if I'm HBO Max, Amazon, I don't want to tarnish my record. <laughs> I don't want to bring that over there. But- well, they wouldn't call it an original. True, true. You're right. But next up, we got Wonder Woman 3 is in the works with director Patty Jenkins. She's coming back. And they've said all the time that they're going to be in the present. But I feel like we should talk more about this when we review Wonder Woman. I think we will. um, More so when it comes to where it stands in the Wonder Woman verse. The one thing I want to mention along with this that I saw is that Patty Jenkins has been talking to Chris Pine about the details of Rogue Squadron. Mm, Um, I would be interested to see Chris Pine might be in there. 
I'd be interested to see if, if he jumps into that. I mean, it definitely is something that I feel like is up his alley. Jumps from Star Trek to uh, Star Wars. I dig it. But I'd much rather Chris Pine is like a, a Jedi. High <laughs> Republic. Course. Like, you know, you know me. Chris Pine's too good of an actor to just be a fucking plain pot. He was that in Star Trek. Be something different. And and Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, you're, you're totally right. Jesus Christ. And then DC miscasted him. If he wanted to be a pilot, he should have been he should have been our Green Lantern this whole time. But they made him uh, Hal Jordan. Do not make that same mistake. I mean, they made him uh, Steve Trevor. Don't make that same mistake. Star Wars. Do not cast him as some rando pilot. Make him a Jedi. <laughs> No, but that kind of raises the question of like, would Patty Jenkins cast people that she's worked with before in Rogue Squadron? Would you like to see Gal? Gal, no. I mean, if anyone doesn't fit that, is Gal? Gal, Yeah, for sure. Probably not. Also, did you hear Patty Jenkins was talking about like after she's done with Wonder Woman, she would love to do a Superman movie? Yes, I did see that. It was Superman or Spider-Man. Spider-Man, yeah. And I don't think, I think she just said that because, like, you know, she's working with Disney, but, like, I don't think she's about to go do no Spider-Man movie. But I would love to see Patty Jenkins' Superman if J.J. Abrams doesn't do it because I know we don't have it on the notes, but it's rumored right now that J.J. Abrams has been working secretly on a DC project, and that DC project is Superman. Well, he's tried before, so. And we've we've said it for months. Like, if J.J. Abrams is now with Warner Brothers, which he is, like, I don't want to see him do Justice League Dark. He's been talking about doing Justice League Dark. I don't want to see that. Like, yeah, that'd be cool, but, like, I want to see J.J. Abrams tackle Superman. Like, that is what his... That's him, man, and I think it'd be amazing. Is it a Henry Cavill extension, or is it a new Superman? Mm, That's That's the the thing. A rumor is he wants his own Superman. But then, like, then it goes into the whole thing. It would connect to Robert Pattinson's Batman, more so. Which would mean Flash would need to fix things up, which will go again into our, which is why this all ties into the Wonder Woman 3 story. Mm -hmm. How is Wonder Woman 3 going to play out? Exactly, Um, because it's in the present. No, 100%. But we will talk about that more with the movie, and I have a theory. But uh, next up, we got Channing Tatum is in final uh, negotiations to star in Sandra Bullock, star opposite Sandra Bullock in the Paramount Pictures' Lost City of D. Weird. The pig stars Bullock as a reclusive romance novelist who was sure nothing could be worse than getting stuck on a book tour with her cover model, Tatum, uh, and until a kidnapping attempts sweeps them both into a cutthroat jungle adventure, proving life could be much stranger and more romantic than any of her paperback fictions. This doesn't sound like anything near you would like. Lost City of D? What a weird title. And then, like, she's a romance novelist. They're going into a, the jungle as an adventure. Are they about to shmang? Like, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> It, it may not be up our alley, but it sounds 100% up the alley of Channing Tatum and Sandra mm. Bullock. Like, when I read the description of this, I was like, yeah, sounds like a right casting for this. Because <laughs> I can, I'm already seeing Sandra Bullock being in there, like, trying to, like, go through the jungle and being like, oh, I just not, I just did not think that this would be, like, something out of my novels or something. Oh, this but, is not something I anticipated, Channing. Don't worry, Sandra, I got you. And here's my D. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. So that's just all sorts of weird. Yeah. We'll see where where that comes out. Paramount Pictures. I think Paramount is actually going to have their own streaming service. So maybe that's going to come with that. I I did want to tell you, I I need to get your CBS All Access login because I need to watch the challenge. Every challenge episode ever is there. 
See, I don't have that. You don't have it anymore? You got rid of it for Big Brother? I thought you still I was, had it. I was using someone else's. Oh, no. <laughs> we're going to have to find one because I need to watch. Like, after watching the challenge on Netflix, I need to go back and watch all of them. I would consider jumping in on CBS All Access, but I'm more so, and you know this, I'm more so inclined to jump on Discovery Plus. Mm, same, same. And if we're being honest, I have, after Discovery Plus, I would do Peacock before I do uh, uh, That's fair. CBS All Access. That's fair. I hate, I hate the Peacock commercials, though, because they're like, oh, it's free. I'm like, no, no one episode is free. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking lamos. All right, but uh, speaking of... Um, CBS, uh, one lady who's been on the CBS show Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Stephanie Beatrice. Mm, she will be playing her. the main character of Maribel in the upcoming Disney film Encanto. Encanto Go. tells the tale of a, an extraordinary family, the, Madriga- the Madrigals, who live hidden in the mountains of Colombia in a magical house in a vibrant town in a wondrous, <laughs> charmed place called Encanto. Encanto. The magic of the Encanto has blessed every child in the family with a unique gift from super strength to the power to heal. Every child except one, Mirabel. But when she discovers that the magic surrounding the Encanto is in danger, Mirabel decides that she, the only ordinary magic reel, might just be her exceptional family's last hope. Oh, this sounds dope. Shout it's out animated. to Stephanie. Shout out, uh, yeah, no, for sure. I, I, I saw this, uh, the uh, image that went with the this. little shout teaser, to, yeah. Yeah, shout out to Stephanie Beatrice. This is dope, giving more diversity, giving some more love to the Latino community. Y'all need more love. They don't give y'all enough films. And the only film they gave y'all, Coco, was literally... It was dope. Yeah, it was, it was super dope. And But this, this, to me, sounds where Coco was more your generic, like, Day of the Dead, like, typical Latino movie this sounds pretty cool like we're getting some a different look we're going to Columbia I'm thinking like like, onward yeah it feels it feels very very interesting I'm interested to see what the Madrigal tribe is and like what's this powers and what's going on with Encanto it it reminds me of uh you remember that Disney movie with the uh black superheroes where all of them had superpowers and the one kid didn't in a yeah up up in a way that it just it just gave me uh remembrance of that yeah, I think it would be something similar to that. Um, it is that same cartoon animation as Onward and Coco. Mm. So, or I guess Coco's Pixar. Yeah. I guess, is it Onward Pixar too? Oh, no, Onward Straight Disney. Okay. I think. I think. I'm like 80% sure. Yeah. But anyway, that I thought that sounded like a, a really interesting concept. Of course, it'll probably be something that... Uh, more so other people are interested in. Oh, no, Onward us. is Pixar. You're right. See, okay, so I, I just don't know. I don't know if this is something that Pixar is picking up as well, but at the moment it just says Disney, so we'll see. Mm, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm looking, uh, I'm trying to put, like, the list of Pixar films, and I'm trying to, because, you know, they always give you what's next, and I don't see the yeah this is this is straight uh disney i feel at least for right now because the only things that we see upcoming films of pixar is luca turning red light year and something that's to be announced that we haven't had yet so this is gonna be straight disney yeah i guess i guess so because i think Encanto is coming out 2021 or 2022 something like that so. mm-hmm. right yes, around the sir. corner but so. good dad, um, Stephanie Beatrice, who's done voice work and a lot of other things. Yep. I need to, I want to see her do more work. She's a great actress. 
She, I just hope she doesn't get tight cast in that role she was in Brooklyn Nine-Nine, like the, the mean girl. A lot of her voice acting has been not so much the mean girl. So I, I think that, you know, I just wish that she would get back in, into live the spotlight action. of yeah. live action. So. Same. I agree. Uh, but the last story we have is Richard Donner has confirmed that he will direct Lethal Weapon 5. Donner, who was at the helm for all four of the previous action movies starring Mel Gibson and Danny Glover, said the fifth installment will definitely be the last outing for <laughs> Detective Martin Riggs and his partner, Roger Murtaugh. Donner, Donner will be 91 years old when the film begins production. This, this is going to sound messed up. But I thought Richard Donner was dead. Like, I really did. Like, I, I 100% did. I'm glad he's not. But, bro, time out. Have you seen Danny Glover recently? Danny Glover is an old man. Like, hold on. I'm about Last to movie I saw him in was uh, Jumanji 2. Bro, Danny Glover is 74 years old. What does he have any business being Martin Riggs in a Lethal Weapon 5? And Mel Gibson is right behind him. He's not the young whippersnapper of Murtaugh. If both these dudes were still in the police force, they would be behind a desk. They would not let them out in the field. That's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking that there's got to be some kind of, like, catch to this. Like, or or he reboots it and we get younger people. But like, what is Donner, ninety-one-year-old, has any business doing to, making a film? Not a damn well, thing. He should be well, in no, his trying house. to reboot a franchise. You know what I'm saying? Like, what is he going to do? Like, stay and, along and, for the other and outings? Is Corona still going on when this production starts? Because he should not be out and about during Corona. He he's one of the main people. Him, Danny Glover, and Mel Gibson. Y'all need to be the ass at the house. <laughs> now, Mel Gibson, he did just have a movie come out. Um, mm. I don't I don't know if you heard about it. It's called Fat Man. And it has, it's actually something that I think we should watch. It's a Ooh, Christmas okay. movie where Mel Gibson is Santa Claus. Why didn't we watch this for? Why didn't we? Did we not know? About I this didn't know. Pre- I didn't know until Christmas Eve. Oh, okay. So, All right, we'll um, watch but, it then. But uh, he plays Santa Claus, and there's like a spoiled rich kid who gets coal, and so he hires his um, his bodyguard played by Walter Goggins to go kill um, the kid. No, to go kill Mel Gibson uh, as, who's oh, Santa, as Claus. Santa Claus. And they battle. Oh, this yes. sounds like American Dad, like that American Dad episode where they go fight Santa. Okay. Damn, I wish I'd have known about this before Christmas. I would have definitely watched this, but we can definitely check that out. And it's on, it's on Amazon. Also, rumor, I got some rumors for us. Sony had talks with Tom Holland to have a big role in Venom 3. Uh, they're in talks Good. with that right now. Um Oh, did you see that Superman and Lois trailer? CW needs to be ashamed of themselves. How trash that was. Schubert, it's just a bunch of images. And like, for if your first, if if my first trailer to a TV show was that, I'd be embarrassed. There's no way I'm putting that out for my staple Superman show. Like, you have to understand, CW, at this point, people think you're done. Like, everybody thinks you're done and dead. Arrow, over. Uh, Black Lightning, canceled. Legends of Tomorrow, canceled. Supergirl, canceled. I feel so bad for the Batwoman actress. I feel like she stepped into a fucking fire pit dumpster show, and I hope it's successful for her, but Batwoman, I feel like, even though season two is just starting and it's going to be a new actress, I feel like that's on the verge of being canceled. Flash feels like it's almost fucking over And you're telling me If you're trying to revitalize the CW universe You're doing it with Superman and Lois Okay, you give him this new badass suit But the trailer you release Is that dog shit ass trailer? CW, you're missing the mark You're missing the mark 
Like the march right here, you're all the fucking way over here. I, I didn't see that because I've been avoiding it like the plague. It's horrible, Schubert. It is. It is horrendous. The like, the only thing that I saw for CW was that there was like a fake article of like Peacemaker was going to be on CW, <laughs> and then James Gunn was like, like no. "Fuck no." <laughs> James Gunn was like, fuck no. <laughs> fuck, why, why, why? DC is now on HBO. CW is dead. Berlanti left. Berlanti's working on Green Lantern for HBO. He doesn't want anything to do with CW. Um, Guggenheim, gone. All the people that were the architects, yeah, it's still Berlanti Productions, but he's not doing shit with that shit no more. CW's fucking dog shit, bro. I just had to I just had to throw that out there because that Superman and Lois trailer really, really bothered me. But it's now time of the show where we give you suggestions of what's coming out that's brand new that you should watch in the realm of movies and TV. This segment is called Movie on the Rise uh, slash TV on the Rise. But we never say TV on the Rise. Just the movie on the rise. Schubert, what you got for us this week? Uh, for me... I have two things, one on Netflix, one on HBO Max. On Netflix, uh, Nick Cage hosted History of Swearing comes out on Tuesday. I'm watching that. <laughs> so I think that's, that's going to be a worthwhile watch. And then another show is one that is I think, believe has been on HBO Max for a while now. It's um, a British show with um, a girl played Arya Stark I'm, mm. and was in New Mutants. I forgot her name now. Uh, oh my Maisie gosh. Williams. Maisie Williams. I'm sorry. Uh, but Maisie Williams is the star of this show. It's called Two Weeks to Live. It's really funny. It's a, like a, I guess like a, a drama comedy, but it's like she grew up in the middle of the woods with her mother and her mother like kept her away from everything. So she goes out to um, the city because she wants to avenge like her father's death. And it gets her into like this whole big issue, especially when she meets these two guys at a bar who tell who like in order to try and like hook up with her, tell her that she, there's only two weeks left to live. So she, it gets her trying to kill her, uh, to, to seek her revenge faster. And that's when like everything kind of goes out of, out of control. It's really, it's really fun. Watch. It's Hell yeah. Like 30 minute episodes on HBO max. And, um, it's a, it's a pretty cool show to watch. Hell yeah. That sounds pretty damn dope. I'm trying to see the date of when uh, Batman the Animated Series is coming to HBO Max. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Oh, okay, cool. So by the time... Okay, cool. So uh, I have on my uh, movie on the rise on January 1st, you're going to be able to watch Batman Beyond, Batman Beyond Return of the Joker, Batman Bad Blood, Batman Death of the Family, Batman Hush, and the greatest animated series of all time, Batman the Animated Series on HBO Max. There's also another show that uh, I'm a big fan of the HBO documentaries. I think they're some of the best sports documentaries uh, out. Like, it's them in 30 for 30, and I think they're better than 30 for 30 now. It's Under the Grapefruit Tree is the CC Sabathia story where you go through CC Sabathia's career. And being that I listen Listen to CC Sabathia when he goes on podcast with Bill Simmons on The Ringer. He has his own podcast. He's a very interesting person. And I know I'm not a big baseball guy, but CC Sabathia is one of the most entertaining, interesting baseball players I've ever seen. So I'm definitely interested in that documentary. And 
uh, Vanessa Kirby would have been my actress of the year if I got to see this movie, but the movie doesn't come out till January 7th, so she's going to be on the 2021 uh, movie awards. But Pieces of a Woman, they say that this movie is absolutely incredible. It's Vanessa Kirby and Shia LaBeouf. I don't, they say the acting performances are some of the best acting, so we will see January 7th, but you got all the DC stuff coming to HBO Max, CC Sabathia documentary, and Pieces of a Woman on Netflix. All right, well, was it? let's get into the reviews. Are we, we doing Your do? Honor first or are we doing Wonder Woman? I guess we should do Your Honor first. All right, cool, cool, cool. All right. Uh, let me get the, uh, real quick, let me pull up if they have the description. You All know, right, well, while you're pulling that up, I guess, like, where we left off with everything, uh, Adam had told his teacher girlfriend that all of the stuff that happened with him, which was dummy. a dumb move. <laughs> dummy. I got the description. And, and Kofi was walking into uh, the cell with Rocco's brother, uh, yeah. Carlo. Oh, my gosh. So the description of episode four is tensions escalate as Adam moves from one dangerous liaison to another. And also, uh, because uh, Showtime was doing so well with this show and people are loving it, they released episode five early. It's actually out now, but we will talk about it next week. But, man, so this episode was driving me nuts. Adam is just doing the most. Dude goes to his teacher talking to him again. The teacher's like, bro, there's some things you just gotta lie about because he cannot take the lie. It's driving him insane. He keeps bad talking his dad. His dad's like, bro, you need to listen to me. Blah, blah, blah. But his dad's no better. His dad goes, talks to uh his his mayor friend. I'm, I'm gonna get this dude's name because I keep, well, I, 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 I keep saying it. him shit. <laughs> <laughs> shit but yeah no they're in on it but like the dude's telling him like bro i'm sorry your conscience is killing you if you want to do anything go to the police office and ruin your life my life and a bunch in every poor black family in new orleans because we're the only people helping and that that made a lot of sense like that was like damn you're right and like are you gonna sacrifice this one kid for millions of families that if without us they would be worse off Fair, yeah, because they're doing a lot in both in two different fronts. Yeah, but yeah, I mean that was rough. Like I, you know, I was expecting to see like what happened with Kofi, but Isaiah you know, Woodlock thing, Jr. That's his name. And but the first Charlie. thing, the first thing off is that we see like Kofi just dead, and I'm like, I, okay, well, that was. How expected. do you feel about that? How do you feel about that? I wish. Well, I kind, I kind of wish we could have seen a little bit of how it went down. I think they had the perfect moment when to kill him when they cut the camera off. That's when they should have did it instead of killing him off screen and us seeing him carted in. Like we knew he was going to die. Like you had, you built tension up so high to where when that camera cut off, it should have just been someone walking in and episode cut to black. And that should have been the end of the episode. They tried to do too much by making him walk to Rocco's brother's uh, cell. Like they should have just made Rocco's brother walk up in that beat. You cut the camera off. For sure. Yeah, I mean, it was maybe not the best way to have done that, but what I thought was the most crazy part of that whole deal was when, like, Carlo's in the holding area and, like, his dad comes in. He's like, what did you do? Yeah. And then, like, the warden comes in and is like, yeah, I don't want the feds coming in on this. So, like, <laughs> Private-run prisons. And- that goes back to the corruption of Louisiana prisons and more so American prisons. The federal government doesn't have anything to do with it. They are privately run. And if they found out about this shit, they would have to go in. And that's why prison systems are corrupt. And that's why this show is so incredible. But I think it's even more when Carlo tells... uh. Jimmy, he's like, 
well, you wasn't doing anything, and mom told me I need to handle business. My new motto for this show is Jimmy Baxter and Brian Cranston are getting fucked by every woman and child in this show. Fuck the women and fuck them kids. <laughs> like, you know how they have Michael Jordan fuck them kids? Fuck them kids and fuck the women on this show. Because the grandmother that we meet in this episode is the absolute worst. It's between her and Jimmy Baxter's wife. They are the worst. My God. I don't even know where to begin with them. I let, let's just get Jimmy Baxter's story out of the way. So basically, right. he's getting pressured by everybody. You're not doing nothing. You're not retaliating. You need to retaliate. And the wife is like, oh, you're, you're being a pussy. You need to retaliate. The, the boss is like, yeah, your wife talking to me. You need to retaliate, partner. The son, like, you need to retaliate. The daughter's the, like, I don't believe wife. in God. You need to retaliate. Like, what? <laughs> Like everybody is just tearing at my boy's heartstrings, and he can't even grieve for his fucking son. Jesus, this show just this show just drives me up a fucking wall on how stressful it is. Yeah, I mean, like the wife keeps coming at him with like, "Well, you had to buy him a motorcycle," or like Bro. the daughter goes off. The daughter goes off. It's like, "Oh, you just don't want to buy her a motorcycle." Or, Bro, when like, the oh daughter gosh. when the daughter was going through her. I don't like God phase and she walks off and she and she's like, you're not going to stop him. And she's he's like, no, I'm going to go. I'm going to go get her. And she was like, oh, what? What? You're going to go buy her motorcycle. I was like, damn, your son just died two weeks ago. Like, why are you doing that? Not even two weeks, maybe a couple of days ago. I mean, I feel like it's kind of insensitive on her part as well. Like make be making those jokes as much as she's been grieving. It's like, oh, like, how can you feel like that's just okay to say? Bro, fuck them kids and fuck them women. Everybody, like, uh, all the kids and the women in the show suck. And, like, it, it's just a lot. But then my guy, he, he says, I can't take it no more. He puts the hit out on Kofi's family and blows up the whole house at the end of the episode. The whole house. Bro. The only kid that survives is the, uh, that, wasn't that kid a rapper? Didn't he have, like, a Nickelodeon show? I feel like that oh, little chubby... I feel like that chubby little black kid used to be a rapper and he had a Nickelodeon or a Disney show. I don't know about all that. I I, I think that, I guess. Yeah, Benjamin be. Flores Jr. Yeah, he had a, uh, he had a, uh, he was on Game Shakers for Disney. Yeah, he was a little rapper. He went on Ellen DeGeneres' show. Oh, well, I feel like he's the only person that, well, I guess he's the only person alive now. I feel like he's not done yet. No, he's going to have, a, they're about to go in, like he, he's one of the like higher name cat. Like he is above Isaiah Whitlock jr. On like the, uh, like the cast. Oh, really? So yeah, he's about to have a, he's about to have a role. So well, I, I'm, I'm interested to see what comes from him, but that's pretty much all of Jimmy Baxter side. Let's get to the Desiados and their just horrible existence. Adam is the worst, bro. Dude goes and beats up his friend because he's because tra he's traumatized. Like, granted, yeah, you got some his trauma teacher was in talking there. Because he was his friend was talking about sending in the teacher dick pics, and like, you're you're just showing your hand, and you're like, bro, what'd you just say? What'd you say? I'm gonna beat you up because you're talking about sending my girlfriend dick pics. <laughs> he's always he's tipping his hand. Always, dude got caught. With that, dude got caught lying to his grandma. Like, there's so much just shit where dude's just doing the most. So he beats up uh, his friend, and instead of calling his dad, he calls his grandmother, who's a senator, which is even crazier for this whole situation. And she's just pressuring him, like, oh, why y'all didn't go take care of your mama for anniversary?
country like the grandmother didn't go to the grave. And he tells the lie and the grandmother's just like, mm, what's going on? What's going on? And then she gives I, I just felt the way she was talking to Brian Cranston in that house. Why didn't he be like, why are you talking to me like this? <laughs> like you're in my like my wife is dead. I, I know you're my mother-in-law, but if you don't talk to me better, you can get the fuck up out of my well, house. Especially like up in like the dinner portion or whatever, when like they found out about all the Kofi stuff and he's like, yeah, you know, the reason that I didn't go there on the day that she died was because our car got stolen. Like, I feel like and she's like, why like, didn't you tell me about the car of my wife, of my daughter getting stolen? Why is this? When did you start calling him Michael, uh, lawyer friend of the thing? And then you got Nancy, the uh, nosy Karen detective there like, oh, What's that bloody rag? What's going on? I told you that bloody rag was going to come back to haunt his ass. The dog just scraping under there. And the grandmother's just like, hmm. Like, all these, like, bro, I feel so bad for Brian Cranston's character. Like, it's just a lot, bro. It is and like, a lot. And the, the mom and the mother-in-law or whatever is, like, coming after him. And, it, and it's like, oh, you know, for Adam, for Adam, for Adam. I'm like, well, I mean, if you keep digging, you're going to be hurting Adam. So you exactly. better stop. Exactly. And she's like, uh, what, a year's passing? You forgot, you forgot about my daughter? No, I didn't forget about your daughter, bitch. I'm just going through some shit. And your ass is making it, like, a big deal right now. Yeah, I mean, it sucks because they obviously can't tell her or whatever, it's mainly because of the, her being a senator and all that. But I mean, if they did tell her, like, if Adam told her he did it, like, she might be more inclined to help. And, like, to have a senator on there, I, I thought, like, my thought process was, like, you might as well tell Grandma because Grandma not going to put her son, not going to put her, her only grandson, the only connection to her daughter in jail. If it was Brian Cranston that did it, oh, she'd send his ass to jail in a heartbeat. Because she, she kills her alibi. Exactly. And that's the thing. She knew not to tell, like, she didn't say anything in front of the detective because if she did, oh, hey, Poochie, if she did, her her son was going, her grandson was going to jail, man. Like, gosh, I just, I felt so bad at how she was talking to that black lady at dinner. Like, like, why are you here, intern? Like, this is not your house. Like, what are you talking about, woman? You're a guest. Like, leave. <laughs> Yeah, she's like, go ahead and state your business. <laughs> Lee like, Delamere. She was doing Lee Delamere so bad. Uh, Elizabeth Guthrie. Oh, I couldn't well, stand Elizabeth Guthrie. But uh, the Charlie or whatever made a good point earlier on. Is like, you better be watching out with that connection with Lee Delamere because Lee is out here like trying to like trying to prove shit wrong and rally for Kofi and all that. And, like, <laughs> and then when take when down she, the police when when Lee was like, oh yeah, they were uh, torturing him. Charlie just looked at him like, check your bitch. <laughs> He was like, you better. Charlie's hilarious. Charlie, Charlie was like, I, I don't think we should be talking about this right now. And then she she goes with the we we haven't been... we, we talked about this for four hundred years. Yeah, seen him with the slavery thing. I was like, oh damn. And Charlie couldn't say nothing. I was like, fuck. I just know in his head he was like, she a Negro. <laughs> oh my gosh, bro, I love this show. This show's amazing. Like, I'm so happy we're reviewing this and stumbled upon this. Oh, like, and. and and um, man, like mm. the the guy who was the part of the Desire Crew goes to see the little boy or whatever. One, he said Laniap wrong, which was like, yeah, oh, I was gosh, like, if you're doing a New Orleans show, you better say, yeah, say Laniap. Yeah. But like, I but feel he like that's been Haitian. Like the, I thought he was like, he's like a Haitian guy. He's not really Louisiana. He's not yet. So that's why I accepted it. But you know, I feel like that's like the start of like that because I feel like he's now gonna have to just join up with the Desire Crew because that's like all he's got now. And also. 
I'm still waiting to find out who was in that black Chevrolet, the black car that that saw about Adam because we already we got the rag reveal, which I don't know how Brian Cranston covered that up. Like he was just like, yeah, we've been going through something. What was he saying? Like Adam was cutting him. Like, I don't I don't know what he was saying about that. But like the the cop was like, is that blood? And then like the little explanation he gave was like kind of weak and everybody just accepted it. And then. He, they go I mean, talk like, outside. of course, like, you know, having a bloody rag in your house, like, doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. tie you to a murder, so. It, it does not. And then uh, when they go outside and Adam's talking to him before he dips, I'm just like, bro, your dad's trying to save your life and you're just questioning everything. Like, you don't know what the fuck you're doing, Adam. Like, shut up. And then he leaves, goes to the vigil and sees Jimmy Baxter's daughter. That's going to be issues next episode. Like, they go, they might fall in love and that, that's going to be some issues with the teacher and with like that. Like, Adam just needs to go away to California. That's what he needs to do. Yeah, I don't know what that was all about. Like, that just didn't make any sense to me. Didn't make no sense. I'm trying to think if we forgot everything. That's pretty much I mean, like, this episode. I'm, I feel like his dad just needs to be straight up. He's like, yo, they they killed Kofi. They blew up his family's house. Like, this is why we're lying right now. Because like, <laughs> Jimmy Baxter would kill us. He would exactly. kill us and our family. Your grandmother, she would die. It don't matter that she's a senator. Jimmy Baxter's a mafia man. He come and kill. Like, he runs New Orleans. They tortured a man with the police. You don't think they wouldn't do that to us? What's wrong with you? And what we got to remember, Lyndon, is that they still have that inhaler that they're trying to get the DNA out. Oh, yeah, 36 like, hours. Has that happened? Has it been 36 hours? Almost. Oh, he, he did. Adam is gone, which would save a lot of people a lot of problems. <laughs> she was hilarious. Yeah. Also love the scene where... Uh, Charlie's talking to the guy who he's going to make his chief of police. And they, he was like, yeah, we're taking down the basketball goal because everybody goes and talks about crime on the basketball court. And it's funny because they're talking about a crime. And he's like, nah, I'll lead them courts up. What's wrong with you? <laughs> I, just yeah, thought that I, was was, like... I just thought that was a good scene. I really love Isaiah Woodlock's character. He is, he is probably my favorite besides Brian Cranston in this show right now. But, oh, war's about to happen, man. They're about, the Desire crew and Jimmy Baxter's mafia are about to go to war. And it's gonna be crazy. Do you think this show has more than this season, or do you think, or do you think this is a one-season show? Because the way they're opening it up, season. I don't know. The way they're opening it up, it may be more than one. Maybe, but like after watching like The Undoing recently, yeah, and like how the night of went, I kind of like like these these one singular shows. crime shows to be like one season so you can like wrap up a story because if you go too long then it's just like i feel like you're dragging, dragging it out. out no for sure they just better have a better ending than the night of the night of's ending was kind of weak so it was undoing i didn't like mm, i like the undoing's ending just- we'll, t- we'll talk about that in a little bit but yeah that's pretty much all we got for your honor we'll be reviewing the next episode <laughs> the next episode next week let's get to wonder woman how did you feel about this movie we haven't talked about it I feel that critics were being too harsh. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I feel like people were making this out to be like some kind it's of the worst. movie. Yeah, or... they made it seem like it's Justice League when it's not. Like, this movie no. is better than Birds. Like, people, people were championing Birds of Prey because it was a woman movie. But, like, this movie was better than Birds of Prey. Birds of Prey was asshole to me. I don't know if it was asshole. But, but it, it, it was bad. It definitely wasn't better than this Wonder Woman 1984. Like, Wonder Woman 1984 had moments in the film where I was like, thank you, where I had goosebumps. Like, the scene where Wonder Woman is making the plane invisible and they explain the invisible jet, I was just like, 
this is amazing. Like, I absolutely love this. Or the scene where Wonder Woman learns to fly for the first time, I was getting goosebumps. I was like, this is an amazing moment. The thing with this film for me is, I think the way they handled Maxwell Lord and Cheetah in the first two acts were amazing. It flounders in the third act. Both both storylines flounder. Basically, this movie is Maxwell Lord gets this rock from uh, Cheetah, and they're, like, making wishes, and Maxwell Lord's like, I want to be the wish stone, and he starts granting all these wishes. People are going crazy. The world's thrown into chaos, and as you wish something, you lose something that's important to you, and basically, he gets all the way to the president's office, wishing shit. There's nuclear war about to go on. Basically, the Earth's about to be destroyed, essentially, through all this, and everybody has to renounce their wish, and my thing with that is, I'm like, oh, so everybody just renounced their wish and Maxwell Lord just lives and nothing happens to him. He just goes on about his life with his child. I was like, don't like that. And then Cheetah, the fight with Cheetah, you have arguably one of the greatest combatants in, in DC villains versus one of the greatest combatants and heroes. And you make the fight all at night where people can't see. The CGI is kind of shaky. Partly in the water. And then you bring it underwater. Why is Cheetah fighting Wonder Woman underwater at nighttime where you can't see? Why is this not... Her with her sword, cheetah with her claws. Is it because Kristen Wiig in the stunt, you couldn't make the stunt person not look like Kristen Wiig? Like, I don't know what the issue was, but the fact that that fight happened at night and underwater, I don't know what Patty Jenkins was thinking. That's a mistake. Well, and I also feel like maybe Kristen Wiig's development in the cheetah went a little too long. It went way too long. Like, why is she fighting uh, Wonder Woman as Kristen Wiig before, like... Why is she fighting her with her strength before she's cheetah? Like, they should have turned her Why are her they still friends an hour and 45 minutes I mean, into the movie? Exactly. Like, she should have been cheetah an hour and 30 to hour and 20 minutes in the movie. Like, the moment we get to, like, the moment she wishes for to be as strong as Diana, she should have just, it should have just turned her into a cheetah at that point. That should have been her, like, her thing. Like, you're so concerned about your looks and how, and how strong you are. Well, we're going to make your looks better. Like, you know, they, it, I feel like she didn't need to make two wishes. It should have just been one. And at that one wish, she turns into Cheetah. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it, there was a lot of really good villain development. Like you said, it fell flat. I loved Maxwell Lord. I love Pedro Pass and even Kristen Wiig. I, like, as much as we were concerned about her, I thought she did a good job. We predicted her, her story of the nerd that turns into someone evil, but I thought she did a damn good job. I thought Pedro Pascal did a damn good job. I just think, the writing of this just, it, it didn't execute in the third act. No, I, I mean, it just seemed like. They were trying to end it. Like, they didn't know how to end it. Yeah, they, yeah, they didn't know how to end it. And they didn't know, like, where they were going with, like, the ending. Or, like, how things were going to piece together for Diana. Or I think, like, maybe they kept Steve Trevor too long. They, they definitely kept Steve. Like, Kristen Wiig not being Cheetah and Steve Trevor being in the film as long as he was was too much. Like, Diana should have gave up that wish the moment she started bleeding when she fought the people in the Middle East. Like, I don't know why we had to go to the Washington and damn there get her looking like she's about to die on death's door before she gives up her, her Chris Pine. And I understand, like, this is all she ever wanted, but you could have got that emotional level before. You didn't have to go through all that to get to that emotional level. The emotion's already there an hour into the movie. Like, you don't have to go two hours before we get rid of Steve Trevor. 
Yeah, I mean, I feel like there was a lot of scenes that just didn't, weren't necessary or like ran too long. Like, you know, Kristen Wiig battling that dude that tried to rape her or whatever. That was a little too long. Mm-hmm. But I, I got the point of it, but I feel, feel like it could have been like at least four the or five minutes. The scene in the mall shorter. was a, the, Was- the scene in Washington, D.C. when they're fighting to get Maxwell Lord. That was too long. Like every scene went over like 10 minutes too long. Yeah, so I mean, the movie was almost two and a half hours. It should have been. It didn't have to be that. It could have been two hours flat. It could have been two hours flat, or even one forty-five. But like, like I probably like two I was, hours flat. Like I said in the stream, this movie's better than Thor. It's better than Thor: Dark World. It's better than Captain Marvel. It's better than Captain America: The First One. Like, this is not a bad movie. And something that I really liked about this movie, it felt like Richard Donner's Superman. You could feel the hopefulness in this movie. It felt like they were trying to make a superhero movie that inspired and that gave hope. And it did for the most part. But the fact is we're in a time right now where you can't convince, let alone the whole country, 15 people to wear a mask. You're telling me all those people renounced their wish. Hell no. <laughs> Hell no. Not in the eighties where greed is good. That's wall street. Money never sleeps at time. Gordon gecko greed. You telling me everybody's renouncing that wish. Hell no. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel like the the disconnect for a lot of people with this movie was that the Wonder Woman movie that you got first was just such a excellent film in so many different regards mm-hmm. that like this just seemed like a little bit surface level. Where the first one sense. fell flat was the villain in the, the third act. Like Ares didn't feel like enough like a villain. This one, you fix the villain thing, but still have the third act problems. And like you said... Uh, some of the, the philosophies and some of the storylines behind this was very surface where the other one you got beneath it and you gave us more of a compelling film. Like this one. You had, had, you had a few different characters in the first Wonder Woman that you could really get behind and like, you know, feel like. Charlie, uh, like, uh, the, the, uh, the, the Native American guy, even like the uh, French, you, you, all the, the team you could get behind, Chris Pine. You even like understood Dr. Poison's uh, like storyline, like, Everything about that movie worked, whereas this one, you set up such good stuff and it just fell flat. Pretty much. So, I mean, I just, I don't really think that has too much to do, like, with Patty Jenkins being, like, a bad director. Like, it doesn't make me worried about, like, what she's going to do with three or it wasn't what a she's going to do with Red One. And, I mean, it wasn't, an all right yeah. movie. And, like, a lot of the acting performances weren't bad either. So I think this just... was Gal's best act. Like, she, Gal was making me believe it. And I got to say, when she was swinging, like, I loved all the lasso work in this movie. I thought it was absolutely amazing making Wonder Woman powers, like, Indiana Jones times 10. I loved seeing her fly, uh, fly and then lasso the lightning to push herself forward. Like, all of that was amazing. Lassoing the bullet. Catching Steve Trevor, all of that was just grade A. Like, I love the action scenes, but this movie didn't even have a lot of fights. That's another thing. They had way too much talking. Way too much talking, yes. And it was talking about nothing. That's I'm pretty sure, like, there was like a good 20 minutes that they spent just in like that apartment that's looking at clothes, like looking at clothes and just talking. I'm just like, yeah, what are you doing? (laughs) Time is ticking. I I stopped that movie five times within like the movie just to like go to the bathroom or like get some food. I watched it in theaters and my girlfriend 
my girlfriend loves superhero movies and she loved the first Wonder Woman. She loved Aquaman. And I was, I was, I was turning her to the DC side. She likes Shazam. She was like, yes, I'm hyped for this movie. And she was like, eh, it was all right. And I was like, but you love Captain Marvel. She was like, she was like, yeah, this movie was about Captain Marvel level. Good. And I was like, you, you're not wrong. And she was like, at least Captain Marvel had a little bit more action. She was like, this had so much talking. And she was like, you love the scene where you, you, you knew about the invisible jet. But if you're just a new fan, you don't know what the invisible jet is. And I was like, that's a good point. Plus, plus I feel like for a lot of those people, they don't see the points in that scene. It's like, mm-hmm. right. You're going to come up with the idea of the invisible jet. And then you are going to learn to fly. So like, what is the point of the invisible jet? Yeah. Like, that was just for fan. That was fan service. And my girlfriend didn't understand. And for people who are new Wonder Woman fans, they didn't get it. So like, I understand that. And like, yeah, it was this movie. Uh, some, a lot of the people in the live stream, the fans out there gave it a six or like between a six and a seven. I think that's where I'm at. I'm at like six, eight out of 10. Yeah, that sounds about right. Six, yeah. five. Yeah, I'm not mad at that. Anywhere from six at the lowest, seven at the highest. Uh, do you think Cheetah lost her powers? Because they didn't. They didn't really like. She turned normal, but was that first wish normal? Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. Well, the thing is, is like, I just really don't think that it matters. Because like, in talking in terms of Wonder Woman mm-hmm. three, I don't think Cheetah's coming back. It is the eighties. Yeah, She'd be an old it, woman. Exactly. So I mean, like. I, I really think that that's what is the biggest bummer here is that we did all that build up for both Max Lord and Cheetah, and then they're never going to appear again. I think Cheetah can appear again if you flashpoint it to where Wonder Woman, she's now in her time and she's like, why is everything so different? And like Cheetah is now back, but it's like a different Cheetah. Like it's like the real, you know what I mean? Like it's like real Cheetah. They were never friends. They went with the new 52 origin where she was a scientist and experimented on herself and got Cheetah powers. I would be so cool with that. Or if you brought in another, just another version of Cheetah in like Wonder Woman 3. But I think Wonder Woman 3 has to happen after Flash or it will make no sense. Yeah, I mean, at this point, since it was just announced now, it's definitely going to come after Flash. Mm -hmm. Um, But you got to figure out how it's going to tie. Like, that's the thing. Flash is such an important movie to the DC at this point because they have to figure out how they're going to mi- mix your current Aquaman and Wonder Woman with the Batman that you want to get and then possibly a Superman that you want to yeah. make. Um, so, like, that's pretty much what they have to figure out with the Flash movie. But I would love to see Gal Gadot get mixed up with that and Same. create, like, a, a true Justice League thing because I feel like she's very well cast to do what she's doing. She's a great doing. Wonder Woman. That's the thing. And, like, with the third one, let's bring in more Greek God stuff if we're not doing... Like, I thought about Giganta. I would love that, but, like, I don't know if they would do that. I feel like if you would do Giganta, I would want Giganta working with Cheetah, working with some of the other... Like, Cersei. Like, let's bring in... If, let's bring in Cersei to use her magic. And then, like, if you use her magic, she brings Cheetah back, you know, or and she she gets Giganta, and they're, they're like a trio fighting Wonder Woman. Or if you're not going to do that, let's use Hercules. Let's use some of these uh, other Greek mythology people, like Persephone, the, the uh, queen of the underworld, bring Hades, someone, like, if we're going to give Wonder Woman 3 something where it's not, where it's a, it stands alone and it's not with the D, the rest of the DC if we're trying to give her a villain, you know? Yeah, I'm thinking of, you know, I'm looking at like the list of her villains now and because... We've used the popular of- ones. It's you, Ares, Poison, Cheetah, Maxwell Lord. The only other super popular one is Cersei and Giganta. 
what I was also going to say with that is that because the Harley Quinn show was really popular, you may be throwing the Queen of Fables, but I don't really think that that's a very compelling movie. Me neither. Um, Dr. Psycho. Maybe. But um, I would rather, if you're going to do Dr. Psycho, put him on a team with, like, let Cersei be the mastermind. Have him, Giganta, and whoever else you want to throw in there. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. So, like, Wonder Woman 3 is going to be a hard movie to make. <laughs> like, point blank. Like, I hope they Ragnarok it, where it's like they go for a totally different vibe. That's it's possible. And, you know, we'll be, it would be modern. And bring in, like... Side maybe characters, bringing Donna Troy shit. Or I was going to say, like, maybe this is, like, your first kind of uh, off-world take, maybe. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, maybe she, like... I just, I just, I just don't, I don't know. know. Team like, up with Aquaman, something. I just don't know where DC's going right now to be able to say, like, what they would do with Wonder with Woman. The third woman, yeah. No, that's what I'm saying. We need to know what's up with this Batman. We need to know what's up with the Flash. And honestly, we need to know what's up with just, like them moving forward because you could do black act like there's so many th- ways you could connect this like a hawk man's there like let her go to thanagar like but it just depends on these other movies before we you know before we predict pretty much but yeah that's uh that was it we i guess we gave our score yeah but, um we gave our ratings i was 6.8 that we 6. finally 5. got to see it yeah and uh it, it was like i said it was good enough to where the vod proved it would work that just tells me black widow would do amazing on vod and marvel's clowning yeah pretty much so they spent it, they spent the whole year not putting out anything and all those directors who were complaining about oh our movies won't get noticed vod's gonna kill it no your movies are gonna do hella well on vod if you have a good movie that's the thing it shows it, it it will show you if you have a bad movie, people aren't watching that. Uh, like word of mouth's not helping. Like Soul showed that like even if you're not popular, if word of mouth's powerful and your movie's actually good, people will go watch it. That's the thing. Yeah, that's true. So yeah. like Denis Villeneuve, Christopher Nolan, get y'all shit together. Um, but you know, kind of a weird year for superhero movies, I guess. The only we only got three. We got uh, Birds Prey. This. We got. This and New Mutants. Oh, and Bloodshot. <laughs> we only got 30. <laughs> and with that being said, it is time for the bros who binge awards. Let's go, bingers. Ian, I'm going to send you some audio to put under this. Yay, All right, it's time for the bros who binge awards. Uh, Schubert, I'll give the categories real quick and you can decide where we start. So we have movie of the year slash best movie. We have TV show of the year slash best TV show. We have best TV actress of 2020. We have best TV actor of 2020. We have best movie actor of 2020. Best movie actress of 2020. Best animated series slash season of 2020. Performer of the year. This could cross TV, movies, whatever. And then we have newcomer of the year. So Schubert, where do you want to begin? I think we should probably do bottom up because I guess you won't save the 
film for last. Yeah. Save best TV show and best movie for last. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, let's start off with newcomer of the year. Do you have the way that uh, I, I did it? I wrote down all just like all my honorable mentions. And I only had I, one. I was going to choose. I only have one for this one as well. Only one for this one. And I think we both know who it is. It's Jonathan Majors. Yep. Jonathan. Dude had the five bloods and Lovecraft Country. Got nominated, got uh, cast in Marvel as like their next big villain as Kang. Had an amazing year. Yeah. I mean, he. Came out, it came out of left field this year. I mean, I, I don't know too many things that he was doing before 2020, uh, but, you know, we all knew that he was going to be doing Lovecraft. That was what we were looking forward to. And then he pops into the Five Bloods. Well, the Five Bloods was first, and that's when I was like, yo, this dude's amazing. And then we see Lovecraft. It's like, oh, this dude's really amazing. Yeah, yeah. And I think that just got the spirit, you know, just got the ball rolling for his career moving forward. So I think Spike was- Lee, two movies that, like, showcase two amazing black actors that are going to be in the forefront of acting for a while with Black Klansman in 2019 and the Five Bloods with this year. Shout out to Spike, man, for giving us J.D. Dubs and Jonathan Majors. Yeah. And, you know, moving into the next category, Performer of the Year, you got to think that Jonathan Majors is in contention for that. Yep. uh, Based on the two things that he did. So who are your nominations? Um... Besides Jonathan Majors, I have uh, Anya Taylor Joy for nice. what she did with Queen, Queen's Gambit, and uh, I thought she was fine in New Mutants. I mean, I thought she was one of the better parts. Um, Sasha Baron Cohen for Trial of Chicago Seven and Borat, and actually I also have Kaylee Cuoco in here for Harley Quinn and the flight attendant that she nice. HBO Max. All right, before you give your winner, let me give my nominees. I also had Jonathan Majors uh, and Sasha Baron Cohen, but instead of where you went with uh, my girl Anya Taylor-Joy, who I forgot about, she needs to be nominated. Glad you did. I went Journey Smollett-Bell, Birds of Prey, and uh, Lovecraft Country. That's so, a good point. Who you got winning? Uh, I think it's got to be Sasha Baron Cohen. I think that he's got an opportunity to win an yeah. Oscar this yeah. year for a supporting actor in, in, tri- in Trial of Chicago 7. And um, I think Borat 2 ended up being one of the films of the year. One Maybe not comedies. like critically, but yeah. just for what it, the, you know, the, uh, the story that it tells pretty much. I'm right there with you. Literally, first name I wrote, Sasha Barrett Cohen, winner. So I'm right there with you. What Sasha did, like you said, with Borat coming out, giving us this amazing comedy bag, and then boom, showing that I'm not just a comedic actor. I am a true thespian with the trial of Chicago 7, just showing that like he can touch on multiple lanes of culture. And, and his stuff is serves a purpose. He's making content that will teach Americans something. And both movies did that. Yeah, I mean, I think that you know he definitely deserved to be to be that, and I'm excited to see what he can do in the future. I mean, he's definitely shown us more of what he can do on the drama side, yep. more so than like the comedy side. Like we've really only known him mainly from Borat and Ali uh, G, Ali G, and um, Talladega Nights, yeah, and stuff like that. But now we're seeing that he can really be a, a big time actor. Yeah, big time player. All right, next one, I'm going to start off. We're just going to keep alternating. We're going to give our noms and then give our winners. So for Best Animated Series, I nominated uh, the anime on Netflix, The Great Pretender. I also nominated Doro Hidoro, the anime. And I nominated Animaniacs, the Hulu show, and Close Enough, the HBO Max show. What did you nominate? 
Um, I also had Animaniacs and Close Enough. I uh, had Jujutsu Kaisen, nice. which I've really only seen six episodes so far of, but I'm it's really okay, enjoying it. Great. I feel like it is like the next big, uh, what do you call it? Shonen? Shonen? Yeah, it's like it's yeah. up there with like My Hero and Black Clover's like the next ones of like yeah. in, following in the veins of Naruto, One Piece, Bleach. Pretty much. And um, also have Harley Quinn. Nice. Season two. I should have put uh, that and uh, Solar Opposites, the nice. show from on, a, on Hulu. I'm I'm sad you didn't put my the show that I uh, that I, I like on Netflix. Hold on, let me see. Animated. What's this show called, man? You hate this show. It's with the dude. Oh, that, Midnight Gospel. Yeah, I liked Midnight Gospel, but it that it didn't deserve a nomination, but I enjoyed it. Uh, for me, best animated series. This one's tough. Because I, I could go Doro Hidoro for action. But to me, what J.G. Quintel did with Close Enough, making a show that is in the vein of regular show, but more so for adults, it just felt very relatable. And I need a season two of that ASAP. So to, for me, best animated series slash season is Close Enough for HBO Max. Uh, for me, I think it's actually, I'm going to say Animaniacs. Nice. Like, I think Animaniacs on, did a, a really incredible job with a reboot that I feel like is stays true to the fan base that it grew up with, but also can reintroduce itself to a younger audience. Um, it stayed true to who they were and um, just ended up telling funnier jokes. Uh-huh. I'm not mad at that. Reboot it, reuse it, retool it, reshoot it. I loved Animaniacs, man. This was a tough race. I could have given it to Animaniacs close enough for Doro Hidoro. I just, what J.G. Quintel did for me just, Blew it out the way. So you start us off best movie actress. All right, best movie actress. I only have one person. Okay. I, I don't know about you. I mean, I have, I, I have Maria Bakalova from uh, Borat too. Nice. See, I, I said that this is a thing where we didn't see a lot of the movies with the big actresses, and a lot of these Oscar nom movies haven't come out yet. Like I said, Pieces of Woman coming out uh, on the seventh. The next one, like, My Rainey's Black Box just came out. Yeah, like, My Rainey's Black Box just, just came out. So a lot of the stuff with the great uh, female actresses just haven't, like, dropped yet. So Well, we haven't seen Nomadland, which is probably going to be thing. the one. Yeah, and and, the, and then uh, the movie I wanted to see with, with Carrie Mulligan just dropped on, like, two, like, the, the day of Christmas. And the thing is... My girlfriend wasn't going to see that, so it was either that or Wonder Woman, and I went to see Wonder Woman. So, like, and I know Carrie Mulligan did a great job, Vanessa Kirby did a great job, but for me, I, I wasn't going to lie on this pod and not. I, we're always honest. I only want to talk about the things that I saw, and you know, I only want to give credit to that. So, shout out to Rashida Jones, her new movie with Bill Murray on uh, Apple TV. Let me get the name of it because uh, pull up my Apple TV movies. Give me one sec. Why is this not uh the it's not the last shit? What the hell is this? Um the Apple TV? You're talking about yeah. Oh um What is this called? Yeah, I mean I don't remember what it was called. I never saw it. I, I saw it, but it's uh, I know what it's about. Oh, on the rocks. On the rocks. On the rocks. Yeah, Regina, Rashida Jones and Bill Murray. Great, great movie. And I also nominated Charlize Theron in Old Guard. Even though I didn't like Old Guard, I thought she did a good job. But because I didn't like that movie, I'm going with Rashida Jones on the rocks. All right. Well, yeah. I, go right actress. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, <laughs> you know, what I actually feel like she's gonna. I actually feel like she's gonna get like some love when it gets down to it later on mm, okay. with uh. 
I don't know if she'll get an Oscar nomination because it means Borat too, but I feel like a lot of people are going to like put her in their list for like uh, best performances for actresses. And like I said, there's not that many movies out right now, like to where you can choose from. So, but I, I don't want y'all to get mad at us because best movie actor, I do have a lot of things. It's just, there were a lot of male dominated movies and maybe that's the problem with uh, Hollywood, but I nominated uh, Sasha Baron Cohen for Trial of Chicago 7, Matthew McConaughey, The Gentleman, Riz Ahmed, The Sound of Music, uh, Delroy Lindo, The Five Bloods, and John David Washington with Tenet. Who'd you nominate? I put in John David Washington and Robert Pattinson from Tenet. Oh, nice. Uh, I put Delroy Lindo, Five Bloods, and Sasha Baron Cohen for Trial of Chicago Who you got winning? I'll let you go first. Who you got winning? Um, Delroy Lindo. Nice, Delroy Lindo killed it. He was amazing, man. Now I don't. I was. This is one of the ones that I was gonna see who you chose to see where I'm leaning. Man, you chose Delroy Lindo. I didn't expect that. Fuck. Am I going JD Dubs? JD Dubs did a great job in Tenet, but what Delroy Lindo did, like, but JD Dubs like physical acting was great. I'm going John David Washington. John David Washington did a great job physically, and he convinced me of the protagonist. But what, what Delroy Lindo did acting-wise was fucking phenomenal. So I'm glad you picked him. Yeah, I mean, Delroy Lindo, you know. He needs to win an Oscar. Remember, it was like, remember the name this year. Yeah. And, like, yeah, I feel like he does need to be up, at least nominated um, for for. Yeah, best actor in the Oscar. And that's why the bros who binge awards are the best, man. We we show love. You get two awards from us if you're a best actor, or if you're not the best movie or best TV show. But, all right, Del, you got Delroy Lindo. I went John David Washington. Start us off, Schubert, with best TV actor. Uh, best TV actor. Okay, well, I have Paul Mescal from Normal People. I have Little Dickie from Dave. <laughs> nice. Um, I have Jonathan Majors for Lovecraft, Jason Sudeikis for Ted Lasso, and Matt Berry for What We Do in the Shadows. Nice, nice. I went Hugh Grant from uh, The Undoing. I That's went uh, Gator from uh, uh, Dave. I went Little Dickie from Dave. I went Carl Urban from The Boys. I went Tony Starr from the boys that's homelander i went brian cranston from your honor i went michael k williams from lovecraft and then i went with jonathan majors from lovecraft who won it for you uh for me i um think that uh it's hard yeah this is a hard one i'm I'm torn between two people i probably just because of like what it did for his career and how it it's going how it was shown in the Emmys. I'll probably give it to Paul Mescal because like what he did in normal people, like really put him on the map. I feel like we're going to be seeing his name and a lot more things coming up in the future. Um, and when it comes to that show, like it's really a show about nothing, but like the way that he, he is as an actor just really compels you to find out what happens as, as the show progresses. Um, so I think that, you know, he's definitely getting the accolades and deserves to to uh, get those. Hey, I'm not mad at that. Right now, I'm torn between Tony Starr and Michael K. Williams. What Tony Starr did as Homelander was absolutely incredible this year. But the way Michael K. Williams portrayed uh Jonathan Majors, his father in Lovecraft, and just the levels he went was absolutely phenomenal. 
I'm going with Michael K. Williams, best TV actor this year, just for his performance in Lovecraft. It was phenomenal, man. And the way that I feel like, like he should get a nominee for supporting. Uh, for the Emmys, mm-hmm. he definitely should. Like he was absolutely great. So I'm going with Michael K. Williams, and that's what that. This is where I, I like how you went with Delroy Lindo. This was my Delroy Lindo pick. So shout out to Michael K. Williams for uh, Lovecraft Country. All right, I'll start off best TV actresses. I nominated Journey Smollett Bell, Lovecraft Country. I nominated Zendaya for the uh, Euphoria one episode. It was. Fucking phenomenal. Uh, Anya, oh, okay. I, Anya Cash, is that her name? Yeah. Anya, Anya Cash. Anya Cash. Yeah. yeah, Anya Cash. from uh, She's Stormfront from The Boys. I nominated Maya Erskine and Anna Conkle from uh, Penis, the Hulu comedy. And I nominated Zoe Kravitz from High Fidelity. Who'd you nominate? I nominated Anya Taylor-Joy for Queen's Gambit, Journey Smollett Bell for Lovecraft, Shira Haas for Unorthodox. Nice. Um, Aya Cash, who, you know, Stormfront and the boys. And Elle Fanning in the series, the Hulu series, The Great. Nice. I'm torn between Journey Smollett-Bell and Aya Cash. Man, Journey Smollett-Bell killed it at Letty. But what Aya Cash did is at Stormfront. That's acting. I'm going with Aya Cash, but Journey, just know we love you, baby. Just uh, what Aya Cash did at Stormfront, just being that villain, just portraying the way she portrayed that racist and the way she like just went after it was just so believable. She made you hate. She she made you hate her. She made you love her. Like it was just without her, the boy season two is not as good as it was this season. She made, she brought the uh, level which rose everybody up. So I'm going with Aya Cash from the boys. Who are you going with? I'm probably going to go with Aya Cash as well, just for, for all the same reasons you said. I feel like season two is pretty much her season. Um, she carries it pretty much the whole way through and really kind of raised the stakes uh, more so than in season one. Uh, but I feel like it was a very hard, like where we had a little bit of lack of film performances from actresses. I feel like a lot TV, of they killed it and TV, a lot of women really spearheaded it. Like I would, I could have easily given it to Shira Haas for unorthodox for the same reason I gave Paul Mescal where she, her acting performance in a show that is seemingly boring about, you know, acidic Jews and their community, you know, she kind of drives it through. Um, and Ani Taylor Joy kind of really blew up on the scene this year for what she did. And Journey uh, Smollett Bell was better than Jonathan Majors. I'm sorry. Like, she was the best part of love. Like, as much as Michael K. Williams, I just gave him that award. Journey Smollett Bell as Letty was absolutely phenomenal. And every woman on that show was phenomenal from Journey's sister to uh, the uh, Hippolyta, to the white lady who's the skin changer, to the lady from the real world, Jamie uh, Jamie Chung, I believe her name, or Jamie Bell. Whatever. Yes, Jamie yeah, Chung. Jamie Chung, she did an amazing job. Like, every woman in Lovecraft was phenomenal, and it was led by Journey Smollett Bell. It's just, Aya Cash just dominated this year. Like, it, you could have given it to multiple I, I almost nominated Jamie Chung, but it was just one episode. Yeah, you can't give it to Naruto. Yeah, you can't give it to Naruto. But all right, uh, best TV show, start off with your noms. This is tough. Uh, well, I have a ton. So. All right, go ahead. Uh, Lovecraft Country, The Boys, the se- season two of Mandalorian, Bridgerton, which only just came out a week ago, uh, the Undoing, for, for the reality, the Circle, uh, Hunters, Dave, Tiger King, which was a phenomenon. Yeah, it was. What we do in the shadows, season two, 
uh, normal people, Mythic Quest, Queen's Gambit, Ted Lasso, The Great, Unorthodox, and The Last Dance. Nice. I nominated The Boys, Lovecraft Country, Your Honor, The Mandalorian, Dave, Mythic Mythic Quest, The Last Dance, and um, that HBO documentary. Oh, my gosh. Hold on. I need to... I, I just... Hold on. Uh, I'm just thinking about it. It is the... Uh, Fuck! How it's the fucking it's the water one about park. The California. Yeah, no, it's the water park where there. It's a. Uh, oh my goodness! I just watched this the other day. Water park, doc HBO. What the fuck is this called? Uh, class action park. Yes, that there is class action park. Who you got winning best TV show? When it when it comes down to it, I really have like. It's hard because like there's some that I think did better than others. And some of them are season twos and some of them are like one-off seasons like love. Well, I mean, Lovecraft probably will have a season two. Um, maybe. Maybe. Um, and, and it's hard because like when we, at the time when Dave came out, we were like, oh man, you know, Dave, like. What That's why Dave I told did you we should have had a comedy uh, division, but we're going to do that next year. Because um, Dave would have easily won best TV comedy. Probably so, yeah. Probably so. And if we did uh, best documentary, it would have been between Last Dance and Tiger King. Yeah. No. I mean, it would have been either one of those two. Uh, yep. Uh, you know the answer. There's only one. <laughs> you want boys. me to go? Yeah, thank you. It's the boys season two. Like, let's not toy around. As much as I love your honor, I was I was like, ooh, am I going to be hip and give it to your honor? Or am I going to give it to Dave? Am I going to give it to uh, man Lovecraft Country, as great as Lovecraft Country was? No. What took the country by storm, which blew up on Twitter, The Boys Season 2 was absolutely phenomenal. From Aya Cash to Tony Starr to Carl Urban to... Uh, uh, what's Dennis Quaid's Jack name? Quaid. Jack Quaid. To just... Phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal. Shout out to everybody on the boys. It was Obama's favorite show for a reason. And I don't like Obama's taste, but I gotta agree with the old with, with number 44 on that one. The boys was the best show on television this year, but it was a great year for TV. I mean, it was it did great, like for what it what it meant as a show, like you know, the the over overarching story that it told the acting performances that it gave, how it boosted off a previous season and like made it better. Like that was the thing about the commentary to the country today. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. So like for the shows that came out of season two, I will say that all the ones that we mentioned at least did better on what they had done before. Like, you know, Mando obviously did better on what it had set up. The boys did better than what it had set up. Yeah, I mean, there was just there was a lot of stuff that came out this year that was good, and some of the one-offs. Yeah, but you know what the boys is doing now and is creating in the future is just like unreal. I mean, it's pretty much created its own superhero world outside of the MCU and DC yep. that people are really starting to get behind. But like like we said, shout out to Dave, shout out to the Last Dance, shout out to Lovecraft Country, shout out to Your Honor, shout, shout out, to, out to the Circle. Go yeah. back, look up. We talked to one we were of big the, fans. Uh, shout out to Sammy, man, Sammy, friend of the show. We are a big Circle fan. Next year, I'm telling you, we're gonna have best TV comedy, best documentary, and best reality show. Because if we had best reality show, it's the Circle, hands down. Sorry, Bachelorette fans, it was the Circle this year. So yeah, it would have been the Circle this year. 
For sure. Facts. All right, let's get to best movie. These are my nominations. Palm Springs, The Gentleman, The Five Bloods, and Tenant. I have um, Borat 2, Tenant, The Five Bloods, The Gentleman, Palm Springs, 1917, which we reviewed. Oh, I need to say The Trial of Chicago 7, too. And I also had Trial of Chicago 7 and Onward. Who do you have winning best movie? <laughs> Your face. <laughs> I don't know, man. Like, it's to me, honestly, it's between The Five Bloods and Tenant. That's where I'm at as well. I'm not. I'm not coming on the show and and trying to be like we're not the Oscars. Like I want to go for a movie that I thought was enjoyable, that I feel the masses would enjoy, that had great acting. Like for me, The Five Bloods was so damn good. But the thing is, what Tenant did blew my socks away. It blew my socks away. Like, I was in the movie dumbfounded. Whereas The Five Bloods, I was like, this is great. I thought they had some weak points in it, but I really loved it. And The Five Bloods is my runner-up. But to me, the movie of the year was Tenet. It was. It was my most anticipated. It had the best. It was the only one that braved. It it took the chance to go into theaters. Theaters. It had two of the best young actors. Well, three with um with your boy uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson. What Kenneth Branagh did as a as a villain showed me that Kenneth Branagh could be menacing and terrifying. The story of the time travel was phenomenal. I know people are gonna say it didn't make sense. No, that that movie made a lot of sense, especially when you watch it the second time. Even the first time, I understood it. But what Christopher Nolan did, filming wise, action wise, and story wise was phenomenal it's to me it's up there in one of his best movies of all time it's definitely in his top five of all of his movies maybe even top three i absolutely love tenant and to me it was the movie of the year who you going with um you know i'm i probably am also going to go with tenant but i do see where like people would be confused, I guess. But I mean, like I said, like you said, I mean, the I, I got it the first time. I got through. it the first time. I mean, yeah, they ex- exactly. They explain, I feel like they do a pretty good job of explaining it. Don't be on your end. fucking phone or talking during a movie. Pay attention. Like, which is why theater experience is, is good, but you know, it's, it's a, that's a, a conversation, conversation for, for 2021. Exactly. Uh, Defy Bloods definitely runner up. I think like what Defy Bloods did. And especially to be a Netflix film, and so you can say the same with Trial of Chicago Seven. Is like they gave you um, high quality film in, in a Netflix format, and um, yeah, one other one that I feel like is worth throwing in in the comedy realm. Extinction. Is, uh, Palm, no, I was gonna say uh, <laughs> it's Palm Springs. Oh no, Palm Springs um, was great. Because I feel like Palm Springs was kind of the surprise Hulu original that comes in and was just like Blue the perfect, perfect comedy for the summer. And yeah. um, I think it's going to get a lot of good critical acclaim moving forward. And when, when people remember 2020, they'll think of Palm Springs as well as one of those top films. Yep. But yeah, Tenet was the one. Tenet's the one. And just let me let me say this. The Five Bloods, that's the story you tell of these war vets showing us a different look at how... African-Americans were treated at that time and just seeing a bunch of friends, black men just come together and be friends and going through that, seeing Delroy Lindo go through his PTSD thing and have that father-son relationship. Everything about that movie was amazing. It's just tenant. It, it was tenant, man. I can't say any more about it. So Five Bloods does definitely deserves praise. Like you said, Palm Springs deserves praise. And even the trial of Chicago 7 deserves a lot of praise. But for us, it's tenant. 
what's the most and what's the thing you're most looking forward to in 2021? This is the final category, most anticipated. Oh, um, the book of Boba, I guess. Oh, okay. Okay, the book of Boba. I ain't mad at that. Yeah, that in really. You're getting that at the end of the year. Yeah, I mean, I haven't really thought too much about it, um, but that's like the one thing since I've been thinking Star Wars heavy. You're going to get three Star Wars things next year. And I'm um, torn. I'm torn between Dune. I'm torn between Suicide Squad, and I'm torn between the little things, the Denzel Washington movie. If I had to choose... That's next month, right? (laughs) Yeah, that's January 21st. If I have to choose, I guess I'm going to go with the Suicide Squad by James Gunn, but man, the little things with Denzel Washington is right there, second, and Dune is third. Those are my most anticipated. Let's go through our just our winners again, Schubert. Just give your winners. I'm gonna give mine real quick, and then you can go. Uh, movie of the year was Tenant. TV show of the year was The Boys. Best TV actress, Aya Cash. Best TV actor, Michael K. Williams. Best movie actor. John David Washington, Best Movie Actress, Rashida Jones, Best Animated Series, Close Enough, Performer of the Year, Sasha Baron Cohen, and Newcomer of the Year, Jonathan Majors. What you got? Um, pretty, pretty much a lot of the same things you had. Uh, Tenant for Best Film, Best Series was The Boys Season 2. Best Animated Series was uh, Animaniacs. Um, best TV performance by an actor was uh, Paul Mescal. Uh, best TV performance by an actress was Aya Cash. Best film performance by an actor was um, Delroy Lindo. Best f- uh, performance by an actress in a film was Maria Baklava. Um, and performer of the year was Sasha Baron Cohen, newcomer Jonathan Majors. Hell yeah. This has been the Bros Who Binge Awards. I'm looking forward to next year already because we're going to have, there's going to be so much movies, so many TV shows. We're going to have more categories because next year is going to be insane. Next year is going to be so intense. And for all those people out there, let us know what you think. Yeah, let us know what you thought was the best TV show, what you thought was the best film, who you thought was the best actors. Tweet at us, ashubert14, linbwt, or at the Bros Who Think on Twitter. Um, so Lyndon, what other, what other pros to think awards do we have to look forward to? Yeah. So our award season is now officially over. If you are an anime fan, be sure to check out the anime talk awards. If you're a a music and pop culture fan, be sure to check out the bros who think awards. That's BWT pod episode 175. And we have a new run it back coming out Friday. It's the anime classic. Akira, Jordan Peele was going to do a live action. Taika Waititi is going to do a live action. Come check out our thoughts on the legendary movie. We have some manga stuff coming. And then next week, back at it again with more bros who binge. All right. Um, I was looking back to see where we did that interview. Because I wanted to mention that since we did talk about the circle and people wanted to check that out. (laughs) Yes. Uh, I think it was episode 73, but it's around that area, 72, 73. So you guys can check that out if you want. Um, that was pretty much our big interview of the year. Um, we were, was it, was it Berto this year? I thought Umberto was this year. Oh, was that last year? I think it was last year. That might've been last year. Yeah, true. Um, but we were, we were rolling 
before COVID, and we'll hopefully be able to get back to some more stuff. And get back on the get back on the road, man. We were supposed to be doing a lot of live shows. Hopefully, we can be at the the your local convention, your Comic Con near you soon, because we were gonna have a lot of stuff planned for you guys. But we're gonna make do, and we got a lot of stuff planned cyberly for you guys. The Pitch It League. Let me tell y'all, the Pitch It League is gonna be phenomenal. February, we have the we have the headlining match, Shamit Dua versus Jake Madison. The opener will be Hastic versus. We're gonna let you know in a once we give you the date solidified. But be on the lookout, Jake versus Shamit, two people that are gonna be gunning for me in the midseason uh, championship match. Hastic, a newcomer, and we gotta find out who the last newcomer is gonna be. I'm I'm pretty sure I know who it is, but I gotta just. Check with two people, but the pitch it season, February on Twitch, first match live, but you'll be able to watch it. Uh, if you if you don't catch the live stream, you'll be able to watch it on YouTube, but a lot of good stuff for the bros who binge podcast in 2021. So thanks everyone for listening to this year. We, you know, we tried our best with, uh, with, with the it. movie, with the movies that we had, but we did have a lot of good TV series that we did cover, you know, on this podcast, we definitely, we covered all of, Mando, we covered all of Lovecraft. All the boys. Uh, all of the boys. Um, we reviewed you know, Harley Quinn. We, re- we reviewed. We reviewed Harley Quinn. I think we reviewed Close Enough. Yeah, we definitely reviewed Close Enough. Uh, we, we reviewed. Reviewed Tenet. Uh, Tenet. We reviewed um, Wonder Woman. The Five Bloods. The Five Bloods. The Gentleman. The Gentleman. A lot of shit this year. New Mutants. New Mutants. Uh, Trial of Chicago Home. 7. Uh, Capo- oh my gosh, I forgot about Capo- what a year, man. Bloodshot. We reviewed that. It was trash. Like we we went through a, so much trash for you guys because we love you because we love you. And thank you to everybody who listened this year. We had an amazing year. We absolutely love you. And we're going to make sure that this upcoming year, 2021, is even better for you guys, especially since there's going to be a lot of movies coming out. All right. Well, also, a uh, lot better. of running backs we did this year. We started running back like Goodfellas, uh, Super Bad, Good, the Bad, the Ugly, Good, the Bad, the Ugly, Scott, uh, Pilgrim. Scott Pilgrim, and Pulp Fiction. The next one's coming very soon. So be on the lookout for all that. All right. Well, I hope everyone had a as good of a 2020 as they possibly could. We're finally ending it, and this is the last show of the year. So we will see you guys in 2021. Uh, For Lennon Bird, my name is Adam Schubert. Everyone have a happy new year, and as always, keep binging. Keep binging.